We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode number 70. I had so much fun with this episode because I got to interview not just one, but four guests for this episode, and it was so fun to see this family put together such a successful equestrian business. There are so many moving parts to make an equestrian training business so successful, and it takes a notch beyond that to make an equestrian business successful within a family. So here to talk today are Elon, Daniel, Mark, and Stephen Blumen of Blumen Equestrian. If you guys could take a second and introduce yourself. We can do it in order of age. Yeah, there you go. Let's go in age order. Okay, so I'll start. I'm Ilan Blumen. I'm in charge mostly like all the training system in the program in Blumen Equestrian. I'm trying to produce uh, all the young horses up to the Grand Prix level. I'm Daniel Blumen also. I'm 30 years old and my role in the team varies a little bit. I train some and produce some of the young horses and, and also compete some of the of the horses are jumping jumping already in the Grand Prix level. Mark Blumen, I'm 29. My role is basically I'm Daniel's right hand right now. I, I take care of the sale horses and I help him produce also his horses when when he's busy doing some other things. So basically I'm Daniel's right hand. I'm there for whenever he needs me. I'm Steven, the, the youngest of the five cottons. I'm 28. My role, I don't tell you know, quite a few. I have. I train a little bit. I have a client, and then uh, I'm very involved with Daniel when it comes to you know the, the sales part of our business. And also, since I am the founder and CEO of Equo, I am I am uh, in charge of the, that business and also on the logistical aspect of our business. Obviously, lots of cooks in the kitchen. So I'm sure you guys all finding your different role to make this all work as a single unit. Daniel, if you want to start, how you got into riding, how that became such a strong part of your past as well as all of you guys, and how that all came to be. Started riding at the age of three. You know, each of us, when we were three, we were putting lessons. So we started with our older cousin, which is the old brother of Mark. And then from there, it was uh, Ilan and then myself and so on. Yeah, I mean, we started just like any other kid doing any of your other hobbies or when you start doing lessons to try to learn to, to do different activities. And at a young age, we realized that we were quite decent riders and that we definitely were horse lovers. So we just continued and one thing led to the next. Our older cousin became national champion at an early age and seemed to be very promising. So I think that all motivated all of us since we're all very competitive to to try to do our own set of achievements. And as we grew up, we just kept on going and trying and here we are now. So cool. And Daniel, you are the one who primarily does the competing at the highest level. What would you say is some things that you have done to prepare yourself for that or find your niche within Bloomin Equestrian as far as your skill set and how you prepare for competing at that level? 
Yeah, you know, I think when you want, to, there's many different roles that you can take when you're part of the equestrian industry. You know, as you said it before, but then you you have a role, your sales. We must find what really motivates us and the set of skills that we have that will allow us to to reach our goals and dreams and use that as a guide. For me personally, way from the beginning, my two most important things were to learn the horses, you know, to become the best horseman I could be. And, and at the same time, to be able to get success in the highest level. You know, it was something that I always look up to. I looked up at the great riders and I know I wanted to be there. So, you know, I think that if you become a good horseman, then you have the base to do pretty much anything else. If, if after you became a horseman, you decide that you want to go all the way to the highest level, then that's one route. If you want to be a trainer, that's another route. If you want to be a, a dealer, that's another route. You know, there's many different things that you can do, but when you know horses and you become a true horseman, you, you just pretty much have to decide what is that uh, that makes you vibe, what is it that motivates you, and, and then go for that. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And Mark, as you guys were all growing up together and riding and figuring out what you wanted to do, at what point did you realize that you wanted to be in this world as a professional or as a business? Yeah, from a very young age, you know, like Daniel said, we realized that we love horses and that we were some, we had some sort of talent with them. So when I was very young, when I was 13 or 14, I, I knew that I, as soon as I graduated high school, I was going to be ready to move on and be a professional rider. And so that's what happened. I graduated high school and in November and in December, I moved to the States to, to pursue a career. And uh, well, Daniel was already here. So for me, the path was a little bit easier. Daniel was the rookie who came and opened the doors for all of us. And and yeah, that's what happened. I moved here. I, I started writing. I started working and I've been in many different places. I've shown a lot. I've been in Europe. I've been everywhere. So I, I, and I wouldn't change it for anything else. I'm very happy now that we're finally all the family working together. So it's a great thing that we have going on now. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys all grow up competing together? Daniel, Steven, and I got to compete in the same division for a long time when we were children and junior, and we got to compete a lot. Like we were rivals, like yeah. basically our whole career. And my other two brothers, my oldest brothers, they are similar age. So yeah, they grew up competing together also. Love it. Elon, I know that you have a lot of experience, like you were saying, developing young horses and bringing them along. What is something that you did growing up that shaped you into finding that area of expertise in in that developing of young horses? Actually, what happened is when I got here, like almost, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that, Daniel started to go to Europe. So I was just riding all the young horses here while he was competing over there. I think to London to Olympics, so I just I just learned a little bit more about young horses and I really liked it. My goal is not the same as Daniel. I don't want to be like the top of of the sport, you know. I want to jump everything, all the big Grand Prix, all the big classes. But I have no rush. Awesome. Yeah, obviously, when you are dealing with those upper level classes, you're dealing with a whole nother animal. So what are some traits that you look for when you are either going to Europe or you're looking at young horses that you really think set those horses apart from others? Actually, that's part of Daniel's job, you know. He's the one who's in Europe, so he's always looking for young horses. He already knows what I like. And so basically, whatever he says, I, I buy it, you know. If yeah. he says, you know, this is a good horse for you, and I just 
trust him, you know. The last horse uh, we bought, Daniel was there. He told me, you know, this is a good horse for you and we bought it. Yeah, that's got to be a a great benefit of knowing each other so well that you can uh, have that trust. And once the horse gets to you, obviously it's a case-by-case scenario depending on the horse and level and, and how they come after quarantine and all of that process. What's your overall initial reaction or analysis of the horse when they first come on the property? I think you have to go day by day, you know, you have to know the horse really well. Uh, you have to take your time and and start from the beginning, you know. You have to, to flood them like as much as you can before you start jumping. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're too green, just start with, with small jumps, small gymnastics and everything. And then you're going to feel when, when they get better, then you can start showing a little bit. But I like taking like a lot of time knowing the horse before I start showing. Definitely. And Stephen, I know that horsemanship and management is a big part of your role. What does a, a, a typical week look like for you and your schedule? What, what I, we always try to do is plan ahead at least of what we want to do. So every Sunday of every week, we go over the plan of what everyone is going to do during the next week. Um, I learned that, you know, mostly from Daniel. I, I saw him from a very young age to plan you know, practically all of the shows for the year for his horses. So I thought if, if he does that, we should be able to also plan, you know, the week of every horse before the week starts. That way, you know, I, I tell every client that you every time you get on a horse, there should be a purpose. Why am I getting on my horse today? Why am I trying to work? The only way for you to do that is to know beforehand what you're going to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. So whose idea was it to all come together to form Bloomin' Equestrian as a big family team? Well, I think that that was the goal from the beginning, actually, for many years ago. But it's important to understand that when this all started, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that, we didn't know exactly what each of us wanted. You know, like, of course, when you first leave, you're young, you're a teenager. Everybody dreams to be an Olympian and everybody dreams to, you know, to get to the top of the sport and all of that. So I think that we all, as individuals, needed to have a chance to find our own path. So, you know, Ilan started, well, I, I, like, like Marky said, I came here, you know, I sort of found what I wanted. I started competing right about the time that I started jumping the first International Grand Prix, Marky came over. And then a little bit after, Ilan came over. And Steven was always actually along my side. He was always with me. But from when we graduated high school, uh, one of us two had to really get properly prepared in college and in business, you know, things that were separated from the horses. So even volunteered to take that route. So he was out of the horses for a couple of years, completely into the, into school, and then he was able to integrate school with the horses. But we never pretty much told each other what the role was. You know, like we each had to do our career and pursue our dreams and let the sport show us where we belong. You know, what what should we do? So I think that at the end, uh, maybe a year and a half or two years ago, everything seemed to to look the way that it looks now. For many years, Ilan and I have been working together in Blue Man Equestrian. You know, Ilan assuming the role of pretty much training most of the clients and developing some of the horses. While I've been showing, you know, and, and competing all over the world and with a string of horses of my own. Of course, it's very important to, to say that we have uh, the operation running in Europe, which we wouldn't be able to do what we do without it. Uh, Camilo Roballo, which is like a brother to us, uh, a very good friend of ours, 
lives over there and runs this operation. So pretty much now, Marty, after being in Europe and doing a lot of big Grand Prix around the world, decided that he wanted to be closer to home and, you know, be closer to us and, and put his career as a second uh, objective. For Ilan, it's been already for a few years that he decided he wants to do the big sport as a national level here, the national shows in America, and perhaps someday go to Europe. And, um, and for Steven, now that he's working with us and being able to teach now and train some and help some riders, it's also perfect. Like now we all of us can be together. So Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that a couple of you are involved in the 10. Can someone tell me a little bit about how that came to be and the premise of that? Yeah, I can tell you. The 10 actually is an auction, you know, an event that we organized with a, a couple of friends, Ilan Further and, and Tal Milstein and uh, and we really like it. To be totally honest with you, it's extremely difficult. You know, it's uh, it's really a lot of work and a lot of commitment and a lot of responsibility. But I mean, so far we've been successful and it's fun and we're analyzing the options for the future. Of course, this year we won't be able to do it with everything that's going on. So we're, we're going to sit together and analyze if it's something that is worth doing every how many years. We got to analyze it because we like things done the right way. And I can tell you, it's really, really really difficult for anybody out there that wants to run an auction and wants to run it properly get ready to work because it's something like i've never seen before really hard yeah it seems like there are so many moving parts and if you want to do it well it just seems like there's an endless amount of it's huge responsibility you know even if it's a horse that is from a client and the client writes it anything that goes through the blue one equestrian program we take a lot of pride on you know it becomes a personal thing for us so just the same with the 10, you know, if a horse goes through the 10 and I'm involved with the 10, then I want to make sure that every single one of those 10 horses delivers in their new job. And when they don't, and it happens because it's impossible to make sure that all, all work out, when they don't, then we need to step up and make it work. You know, so it, it's a huge responsibility. And already with Blue Man Equestrian, for me and, and, and Ilan further with his own stables, you know, we already have a lot in our hands. So the 10 is, is something that is really exciting, but it, it, it's difficult. You know, we need to see how we're going to how we're going to be able to incorporate it to our already busy schedules. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about our sponsor today, and that is Rokal Sports. You will find any rider from beginner to top professional in Rokal gloves. I mean, I've been wearing them for as long as I can remember. Rokal understands that even glove production leaves its mark on nature, so recently they've created a new collection of gloves made with Econol yarn, which is made from recycled plastic, but it's super breathable, stretchy, silky, and smooth. Rokal is constantly working toward more ecological solutions without compromising the high quality performance requirements of their gloves. So you can learn more over at rokel.de, that's R-O-E-C-K-L.de, and econal.com, that's E-C-O-N-Y-L.com for more information. Thank you, Rokel. All right, let's get back to the episode. Let's talk a little bit about the idea of the family dynamic, because I know for me, if I worked with my siblings and cousins, like, I don't know how you guys do it. Obviously, we touched on different roles and finding what you're really passionate about. As far as the decision making and different ideas and different avenues that you all want to go in and reeling each other in and, and bouncing ideas off of each other, how do you go about making that? run smoothly when you have so many different dynamics in your group but the most important thing is respect 
you just said it. it. It's definitely not easy sometimes, but we were taught by our parents to respect each other and love each other above all. Even when, when there's conflict or conflict of interest or the atmosphere is a little bit heated or, you know, because it happens, it's mm-hmm. just completely normal. We never, ever disrespect each other. You know, if one is extremely angry, then bite your tongue and go and take a lap, you know, and then come back again when you're ready to speak. That, that's pretty much the only thing that I would tell anybody that wants to run a family uh, business, especially when you're combining business with competition. That's the tricky part in what we do. You know, this is not a regular business. We're competing. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of feelings. You know, there's a lot of emotions going on into what we do. So you got to be very careful and really put in your brain that you need to be respectful of each other. For me, that's 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 the number one priority. Like just having each other, knowing the role that each of us have in the industry, then it's key for us to be able not to have many problems you know like each one of us know exactly what they need to do every day and we respect each other's time and uh, we don't get involved okay if there's an advice that you need to ask or some sort of observation that you have about somebody else in the in the group say it but it's always with a lot of respect and each of us admire each other for what we have accomplished in our career as i wish you could come and spend a day with us we we don't fight There's not a fight, there's arguments, but all of us are there when each one of us is jumping a horse and all of us are throwing out the ideas out there to try to improve our riding and our horses. So it's a great thing. It's unbelievable. In all this time, I wouldn't have believed that in a family it was going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's so rare. Seeing your success and um, how you've managed to put all these pieces together and all of these different avenues so successfully. Um, it's just a testament. I mean, you have to get along if you're able to accomplish things like that. So I think that's pretty amazing. Let's also talk about Ride the Future because I think it's something that when you talk about the equestrian industry and where it's going and, and how it's shifting, things like Ride the Future are extremely important to build connections and, and talk to different people, kids that are looking to become professionals or or kind of grow within the equestrian world. So someone tell me a little bit about Ride the Future, how you guys started it and where the vision came from and what you're looking to do with it. Uh, We're very passionate about bringing the sport to as many people as possible. You know, that's a little bit where, where it began, was trying to think how we have been able to make it where we are right now. And and for me, there was one answer, you know, and the one answer was information, access to information. Regardless of what your economic background is, if you have the opportunity to learn from the best and to get the right information, then you're given the opportunity to excel, not only in horses, you know, in, in anything in life. And, and I figured that for sure, as we all know, it's a sport that is very expensive. You know, everything about it, especially in North America, is extremely expensive. But if you have the information and you work really hard, I am absolutely sure you will make it. You know, so then Ride the Future begins with that. You know, that was what, what, what we had in mind when we started Ride the Future. Let's pair some kids, you know, young, young riders and juniors and stuff with professionals that are willing to mentor them. You know, willing to give them the information, willing to, to answer their questions, willing to put them in their program so that the kids can actually learn and, and get that valuable information that is going to allow them to grow within the industry. So that's pretty much it. It's a very simple concept. And so far, it's been successful. You know, a, a few riders that are now actually professionals and, and began 
by being just, you know, mentored writers in the program. And, you know, it's really a beautiful thing. And, and I think that every professional in the industry that is successful should, or I would say must, mentor somebody. Mentor somebody that, that needs that chance to be able to, to continue growing. So how would a young rider join this program? Well, you can visit Ride the Future in the social media. And there's a task force, a team that manages it, manages the applications. And you have to go through the steps, you know, send your application. And there's a few questions that they ask and stuff just so that we can know the level of the rider and what they want to do. And plus, remember, not everybody aspires to be a Grand Prix rider. You know, some people want to be managers. Some people want to be top grooms. Some people want to be assistant right. riders. Some people want to be trainers. You know, there's many different options, all of them very well paid. So we ask those questions to know a little bit information about the writer and what they aspire. And when we get that, we use our network to, to connect them with a professional, you know, that is willing to mentor them. And that's it. You know, it's pretty simple. Some people just go for a couple of weeks. Some people take a, a summer job. Some people take a winter job. Some people just get paired and, and, you know, get to have phone conversations and send videos and have some advice from professionals that are already pretty established in the industry. So that's a little bit how it works. Amazing. That's such a great concept and it's cool to see that the process is working. So what would you say is an area of the industry that you guys are particularly passionate about based on how you got into the industry and what you're doing now that you feel like the rest of the equestrian world either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about that you'd like to shed some light on? Actually... I'm very passionate about this type of things. And, and one thing that I find that we're starting to lose is to understand how the horses work. So at a very early age, I see people starting to compete, you know, starting to go to the shows and stuff. And, and then I don't know if that's the reason or, or that's one of the reasons. They just really focus on that competition aspect of the sport and they're forgetting the beauty and the essence of what we do, which is the day-to-day with the horses. You know, and at the end of the day, the day to day with the horses is really what is going to to propel you into the higher levels or it's going to propel you to become an excellent professional, any type of professional. You know, again, uh, a, a writer, uh, a trainer, an assistant trainer, manager, or whatever it is that you decide to do. And, and we're lacking that a little bit. And this, the problem, the way I see it, is that the people that have a lot of the financial means to do it have the opportunity to show and access the information, but are not really using the information well enough to make themselves better horsemen. And, and the people that are actually trying to be better horsemen because they don't have the possibility to show that much because it's expensive or because they don't have good enough horses to go to big competitions, don't have access to the information. So that's what I believe that we all need to work together. The people that are getting the information use it. Use the information of these great horsemen that you have as trainers and try to become a horseman. And the people that are actually trying to become horsemen and don't have the information, get the information. Now, the information is out there. I think the movement that that we're on right now and that a lot of, of fellow professionals, especially in the young generation, they're all in it. You know, like if you really love this thing, you know, if you love what we do and you love horses and you want to get better, look for the information because they're going to give it to you. You know, somebody gave me that information when I first came here. I was 17 years old. You know, I didn't have uh, uh, the, the financial backing uh, behind me to put me with the best trainers or with the best horse or anything like that. But I did have the motivation and I had a lot of questions. And to my surprise, the professionals 
answer those questions. I never had any professional not answer my questions. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Well, I think that there is obviously so much knowledge between all of you. And so I wanted to thank you all for taking the time to come on the podcast. It'll be a huge help to a lot of people listening and just a great testament to your amazing program. So thank you again. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.